0: I'm timothy butnam and i'll be your host for the next hour each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith to look at the implications of our faith on daily life so that together you and i can prepare to live outside the walls well we're coming up very shortly on the 50th anniversary of humana Vitae. it's a it's an encyclical written by blessed pope paul the sixth they'll be canonized later this year uh, and he wrote it in response to uh, to the newly released contraceptive pill. Of course, the church had a long-standing uh, teaching on contraception in general, but some people wondered if this new medical miracle might, uh, might change things, uh, or if the implications were a little bit different. And so, Pope Paul VI gathered together a commission, and they presented their best arguments in favor and an opposed to contraception. And a lot of people thought that the church was going to uh, to change the opinion because of, not not because the church would change her mind, but because they thought that this put it in a different context. Well, after hearing all of the arguments... Uh, Pope Paul VI went and wrote this encyclical which did not change anything and and determined that the context was not changed by hormonal contraception as opposed to other types of contraception. And so the church maintained her stance. Now, uh, this anniversary is coming up very soon, uh, end of July, And there's a great big conference going on, a national conference happening out in California. Uh, My wife and I are privileged to attend, uh, as well as some other folks from our church. And so today, uh, we wanted to talk with the organizer, uh, because there's still a chance for you, you still have time to go sign up and to be a part of this conference. It's going to be fantastic. So we're going to talk with Sheila St. John later in the show. But before we get there, I want to talk to you a little bit about how Humanivite was uh, instrumental in bringing me into the church. Uh, I haven't talked about my conversion story very often, uh, and generally in small bits and pieces, but this is a good opportunity to, to bring up really the place of this specific encyclical in helping me come fully into communion with the Catholic Church. I spent my childhood and a great part of my young adult life in a, uh, in a mainline Protestant denomination, and, and one that tended towards liturgy and so for me uh, it was it was not a big thing to talk about uh, the, the sacraments uh, as, as I understood them at the time it wasn't a big thing for me even to talk about Christ being present to us in the Eucharist while it wasn't the fullness of the Catholic position I had the beginning understandings of what that meant and so for me as I uh, as I began to fill the pool of uh, a desire to, to go deeper. as I began to feel the, the inadequacy uh, of where I was, um, I, I started looking into the Catholic Church and getting my questions answered and finding out that I didn't disagree with the Catholic Church about the things I thought I did, right? I, I, I didn't disagree with transubstantiation like I thought I did. I didn't disagree with the Catholic Church com- praying to, to saints like I thought I did. And so for me, I spent 10 years really coming to wrestle with this idea of what the Catholic Church actually believed. And so I got to the place where I could look at the church and say, oh, I agree with her. And, and so I have this great affection for the church. I have maybe even this ecumenical uh, desire to partner with the church. But as it was, there was nothing in my experience that had enough magnetism to, to move me from where I was because I had a certain inertia within my, my denominational background. And so, as you know, an object in motion tends to stay in motion. Uh, and I was on a trajectory within that mainline Protestant church that, that was pretty well set. I, it was going to take something pretty significant to shift me out of that location and into the Catholic church. And so that came through Humana vitae in this way. Um, when I was in seminary I uh, in the Protestant church, I had some friends who uh, became Catholic in the midst of seminary, and uh, all of a sudden their life changed. For them it really was a conversion experience. I tell people I didn't really convert because I wasn't really all that far off. I, I simply um, realized that I needed to be in the Catholic church Uh because I already had a relationship with Christ and I just needed the fullness of it. For them, it truly was a, a a conversion. They went from one place spiritually to another place spiritually, and and I saw the drastic difference in their life. And so I asked them about it, and they credited natural family planning with this. And of course, I was soon to be married, and so uh, we we talked. My fiance and I talked a little bit about what that would look like, and practiced natural family planning for the whole of our marriage from the very beginning, even though we weren't Catholic and we didn't practice it, uh, as, as well as we should have. But we, we did say, this is something we want to do. We want to stay away from the pill, not for any reasons of, of conscience, not for really any reasons of fully understanding it or thinking of morality simply because, Hey, it worked for them and it's a good idea. Um, you know, why not? So eventually uh, my wife and I were looking at what our career path, what our life trajectory should look like. And uh, my wife for about four years had really uh, loved NFP. It had done great things for us. And so she said, hey, uh, you know, why don't I go learn to teach? We're still Protestant at this point. And so she goes to a training to learn NFP. And she comes back with the teachings of humanavite, Vitae. And that was the difference. That was the magnet. That's what I could look at and say, I don't have this, this truth where I am. I can't find anything like this within my tradition, this, this full and transcendent picture of human relationships and how husband and wife relate to one another in a, in a full picture of what our purpose in marriage is. And that magnetism of that document, Humanavite, was what it took for me to say where i am is not good enough i need to find my way and align myself with the catholic church and so for me this encyclical that we're going to talk about today was the turning point in bringing me into full communion with the catholic church there's more to come. We're going to talk with Sheila St. John. She is the executive director of California Association of Natural Family Planning. They're putting together a great conference for us at the end of this month out in California. We're going to talk about it with her right after this break. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. But don't go anywhere. There's a whole lot more coming right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. And today we're going to be talking about the 50th anniversary of Humanae Vitae, that little encyclical that everyone hates but no one's read. Uh, It's one that brought me into the church, and we talked about that a little bit just now. Uh, But we're going to celebrate the 50th anniversary a little bit early here on the air. Normally, we try to to have those anniversaries fall as close as possible to broadcast date. But you have an opportunity that I want to make you aware of for you to be able to celebrate this 50th anniversary in a very particular way. And that's the national conference, the Celebrate... Humana Vitae 50 conference. Go to celebra- CelebrateHV50.com. Today, we're talking with Sheila St. John, who is the executive director of the California Association of Natural Family Planning, C-A-N-F-P. And they are the the, the promoters, the main promoters and uh, organizers of this great um, great retreat, this great conference going on, really falling on the anniversary of Humana Vitae down in uh, Ontario, California. Sheila, thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you. I'm
0: so happy to be with you. So I have to admit to you, I did not know there was such a place as Ontario, California. When I found out my my parish was sending me to this event, I was thinking, hey, I'm going to Canada. That's really going to change the way that I pack. Uh, But no, lo and behold, here in July, here at the end of July, will be my wife and I and a couple other people from our parish are coming down to California, sunny California. Uh, to hear some really fantastic people, uh, Janet Smith, George Weigel, uh, Dr. Ray Garindi, uh, Dr. Pia Del Salini, Father Paul Cech, and the list goes on and on. Talk to me about, uh, obviously, someone needs to do this kind of a conference. Uh, someone here in the U.S. needs to put something on for us to come together and, and hear and be reminded and be revitalized. Uh, what was it that, that made you decide to take this on?
1: A um, bit of craziness, maybe, lost my mind briefly, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, every time a anniversary rolls around, uh, the anniversary of the pill or the anniversary of this encyclical, there's usually a press on it and people talking about it, and I always feel like I'm reacting to that and getting calls to say, well, what do you think? And, and, um, and so this time, three years in advance, this is a big anniversary, mm-hmm. so three years in advance, we thought... There, we're We're going to take advantage of this um, epic date to not just be reacting to that, but we actually have been using this entire year to try and raise awareness on this. And as you said, many people have never even read this this very short document. Mm-hmm. So trying to help people understand better what the church teach the Catholic Church teaches um, about married love and sexuality and contraception and responsible parenthood so this just seemed like the moment in time where if we can turn things around and and spread awareness on this this anniversary is that opportunity and, and i was in rome i never expected such an opportunity but i was in rome oh i don't know i don't know when 5 years ago or so and i was praying before his tomb and there was so much activity and people at jp2's tomb but when i went down to the paul the pope paul the, now blessed pope paul the 6th it was empty. I was the only one there. Wow. And I was I was just struck by a, a feeling of kind of sadness as I prayed there that I didn't understand. And later when I looked into it, I saw he suffered quite a bit for being the prophet and the courageous person that, that continued to say there's nothing else we can do but tell the truth on this topic. And I think I sort of promised to him at that time we were going to keep getting the word out. And so this is keeping that promise.
0: Yeah, indeed. And now I noticed as I dug through and I l- looked at your website, both the CelebrateHV50.com and CANFP.org, that on your board of directors uh, is Archbishop Salvatore Cordelioni. Uh, who was uh, when I first came into the church? He had just been elected uh, to the subcommittee on the. He was the chair of the subcommittee for the USCCB on the defense and the promotion of marriage, under which NFP fell. And so he's got quite a bit of activity in this in this conference as well. He penned a prayer. Uh, a fantastic prayer that we're inviting everyone to go and pray throughout the year, not just in preceding this conference, but certainly there. It's available on the celebratehv50.com website under the support, uh, the support tab. Uh, It's just HV prayer. Take a look at that, but uh, tell me a little bit more about maybe his involvement and what, uh, what his thoughts about this conference are.
1: Well, he has, he has been very hands-on and supportive of, of with the California Association of Natural Family Planning, both as a as an auxiliary bishop in San Diego, and a bishop of Oakland, and the bishop of and now the Archbishop of San Francisco, and so serving on our executive board it is quite a commitment. With you know, this is not an advisory capacity. He's he's very involved in building up these principles and services in California, and so. He has generously, he's providing the opening keynote. He's also giving a, um, the opening talk to clergy during the, the clergy day that precedes the the main event. And he's um, made himself available to do a Q and A interactive session with in the Spanish track with um, all the Spanish attendees. So he's not just kind of um, popping in and out to do a talk. He's, um, he's gonna be there for the duration. And he's spoken at several other events honoring Humana Vitae this year because he just really gets it. He sees the connection between contraception um, and it's, it's as a violation of the meaning of marriage, and of course, where we've gone. And he's in San Francisco, so he's right, right in the hotbed of defending the meaning of marriage. So.
0: We're talking today with Sheila St. John. She is the executive director of the California Association of Natural Family Planning, uh, who are behind this, uh, this national conference. They're putting on a, a celebration for the rest of us to come and participate in. Celebrate HV50.com, the Humanivite Conference. Uh, I'm going to be there. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, there's just uh, everything that I go through, all of the the conferences, I'm, you're having to choose between workshops, and that's almost impossible to do uh, just because you have so stacked the deck with uh, amazing content and amazing uh, interpreters and, and commentators on Humana Vitae. Uh, and for me, it's a very important document because it was, for me, the one thing that was different uh, about the Catholic Church, right? So I, I came from a, a Protestant denomination, mainline, that had uh, some semblance of the sacraments, even though certainly not in the fullness of the Catholic Church. But I could talk about the real presence of Christ with some uh, bit of knowledge, uh, even though it was different. I, I had a concept of it. I could talk about uh, all of these social justice and all of these other aspects of the faith. But the Church alone offered us this this beautiful vision of marriage through Humanavite that really was a, a conviction for me and the last straw saying hey the Catholic Church is the only church that's bringing this truth to us and and for me that was the last straw in my coming into the church and I'm sure you hear stories like this all the time
1: you know it's it and on, and on the one hand that makes me sad and it is part of the reason that we're We're offering this event is that I often see in ministries, um, uh, first in preaching with clergy and then in ministries like um, RCIA or marriage prep, where this topic is relevant and very key to discuss. I often see um, a reluctance to address this and even a blatant sometimes saying, well, don't don't let that teaching get in the way of you coming into the church and pushing it aside. Instead of um, really giving people the fullness of what they're embracing when they come into the church, and what it has to offer them in profound ways in their lives. And so I hope that, that that is really one of the people I hope can come to this are those that are on the front lines, clergy and ministry leadership, especially RCIA, marriage prep leadership and youth formation, that they can come and, and gain the, the knowledge and the courage Do proclaim this because it it does. When people often you hear the story that once I saw the church was right on this, Mm -hmm. I realized she was right on a lot of things. And so when we don't hold this out, I'm afraid we're just giving them um, a superficial right. Well, you know, I
0: think that there are a lot of people who are afraid that humana vitae is a document that's like a hammer, right? So I'm going to, you might even see people try to beat others over the head with humana vitae. But what it is, is a document of, of profound affection and, and desire for someone's best. And to help, it's, it's an urging document. It's a, it's a convincing document of come, please, take a look at this and look at it carefully and let me walk with you through this Uh, And I think in that regard, it's a very pastoral letter.
1: It really is an invitation. There's a a quote from it that I love that says, um, since man cannot find true happiness for which he yearns with his whole being, unless he respects the laws inscribed in his nature by God. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it doesn't water, that quote does not water this down, that these are laws inscribed in our very being and the way we're created. But it does work. Worded as an as an invitation to happiness, we're, we're it's what we're inviting people to with this celebration of the Money Beat Day. And what this encyclical does, it really is out of true care and love and an authentic compassion for people to want to um, share this truth.
0: I, I, re- I recall a time in my life where, uh, as I was in my teens and I was dealing with angst and the and whatnot, uh, and I grew up in a Protestant home, but I was expressing. Uh, why don't I just get to do whatever I want? Why can't I go out and just do these things that everyone tells me will make me happy? And, and I got that kind of letter from my, my father uh, who, who wrote me and said, it, I, and this is a good thing that you're wrestling with these questions. But these things that you're desiring, and I, I hear this in uh, Pope Paul VI encyclical as well, these things that you're desiring, they're air. And f- one, they won't satisfy and two, they won't nourish and you're going to end up so much worse off by chasing after this illusory happiness than if you would come over here slowly, you know, and you know, there's this arm around the shoulder and accompanying, accompanying if you'd come over here and and grab hold of this, this good, this beautiful, this true, this transcendent life, this is where you'll find true happiness. And and we see that, I think, in this document, Humana Vitae, from Pope Paul VI.
1: And I think that resonates with each of us in our being. I think um, even if you haven't read it, even if you don't know the details, I think this kind of conversation, hearing this, I think it resonates within people's hearts and minds and the truth of it is there, but it's so there's the, the noise of our culture is so much the other direction that it can be very hard to stop and hear that truth within us. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think this anniversary is. is stop quiet the world around you that is saying everything else because the fruit of that has not been good. And I think people can often look in their own lives and say that as well. Um, but certainly in our culture, we can see it and listen to the truth within us and listen to what God is and our church is calling us. To.
0: Mm-hmm. If we always do what we've always done, we'll always get what we've always got. And if we continue to pursue the, a lifestyle that's brought us uh, pain and brought us difficulty in, in the past, uh, that's that's not going to change. We need to ask for a conversion of heart and kind of like that that person approaching Jesus, I do believe, help my unbelief. We're talking today with Sheila St. John, the Executive Director of the California Association of Natural Family Planning. They're putting on a conference for the rest of us in the U.S. called Juan 50. Go to CelebrateHV50.com, take a look at the lineup, and come and see me. I'll be there with my wife and some friends of ours. Love to catch up and connect with you there. If you can't do that, join me over on social media, Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. We'll be right back with much more right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. And today we're celebrating in advance, a little bit early, celebrating the 50th anniversary of Humanae Vitae, that document from Blessed Pope Paul VI, he's going to be sainted here soon, talking about uh, the Church's response to artificial contraception. And he goes much beyond... That that you know you might have seen that old poster. It looks like Uncle Sam pointing, but it's Pope Paul VI, and it says the pill is a no-no. But as we talked about in the last segment, it's more of an invitation to us to live a more full life and a richer marriage than it is about a prescription to anything. Right? It's a prescription, not a proscription. We're talking today with Sheila Saint John, who is the executive director of CANFP. They're putting on a conference for the rest of us here in the United States. Celebrate Humanavitae the fiftieth anniversary. It's CelebrateHV.com. dot Go take hv fifty. Celebrate fifty dot Go take a look at it. Hey, it's not too late to sign up uh, if you want to come see me and see some other great speakers like Janet Smith, George Weigel, Patrick Coffin, Dr. Ray Garrindi, Dr. Pia Del Delsalini, and Father Paul Czech, among many others. Uh, go to the website today, right now. I'll even I'll even put up with you. Putting the radio down for a second and leaving and going to this website and registering. Come and spend the uh, c- a couple of days with us out in sunny California. It's just not too far from uh, Ontario California Airport, just right across the streets there. So just fly right in there, walk across the street, come say hello to us. And right now, say hello to Sheila Saint John. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Oh, it's been my pleasure.
0: So one of the things that you have here is this is not just an opportunity for us to come and listen, although there's a lot of it that, but this is an opportunity for us to share our own story and participate uh, in, in what it's done in our life. Of course, it had a, this encyclical had a profound impact on my life as being the final straw that brought me into the Catholic Church. Um, but you have an opportunity for people to submit their Humane vitae story there on the website. First things first, you've been asking other people for their story. I want to know what is your Humanavite vitae story.
1: Well, I when I was a young woman um, getting married, I got married at 18, and so I went to my best friend and asked her Catholic and asked her you know what they did about this whole family planning and. They they brought out the pill and I said, Well, do you have any information on that? And she goes, well, I think something comes with it. And she brought me out this insert that opened up and was this long thing that had all these side effects and things it could do to you. And my husband was not to be, was not Catholic, but we sat in the car and we talked about it. And I said, He said, What do you think? And I said, Well, what do you think? But he made me go first, and I said, well, it seems like overkill. I think you're only fertile a short time in the cycle. It seems unnecessary to do this to to my body. And he said, oh, I'm so glad you said that, because when I looked at that, I thought I never want you. I didn't want you to do that, but I didn't want to impose my thoughts on you. I think men often feel that way in in their relationships and sort of leave it up to the woman. So that started a journey for us, and it turned out to be quite difficult to find somebody to help us learn that technique of natural family planning and i grew up in a catholic home my parents didn't use contraception but i can't say that i actually knew that really Mm -hmm. i think they just lived it and i can't say they articulated it we were an irish catholic family you didn't talk about these things in those days but i think i i just and i certainly didn't get an education on it in the church in the 60s and 70s growing up the church was was also pretty silent so I feel pretty blessed that I just, again, somehow within me, it just resonated. And so we started looking for that. And we started using, we, we attended our first class finally after much effort. My mother would clip little bulletin announcements and say, here's an NFB class because she knew I was looking for it. And finally, we made it after we had had a few children ourselves and um, consulted with a priest who, who uh, because we'd had a couple kids and we were still looking for NFB and, he kind of said, well, you have to be open to life, but you know, you already have been, you've had children and just kind of left us hanging there. So it wasn't really through great formation that we found it. It was really, I don't know, stubbornness, or again, I just think it resonated within me. and I, And I don't even, I can't even honestly say it was on this great theological level, but if it was really more just that, it just made sense.
0: Yeah. I'm going to tell you a little bit about our story because it's, it's funny to me. Uh, I, had some, I went to seminary, Protestant seminary, and had some friends that in the process of going through seminary, they were married and they fought like cats and dogs all the time. And, and then they became Catholic. And all of a sudden, the fighting, at least externally, it stopped. And so I was curious about this. And they told me, well, NFP had increased their communication and, and it helped them in their marriage. And so I thought that was rather fascinating, and I took this, uh, I thought the greatest time to tell my wife, uh, my, my, my fiancé about this, was on a 13-hour drive stuck in the car together. And so we're driving across the country, and I bring it up, I try to broach it as carefully as possible, and, you know, I, I don't know anything. Uh, and she starts, she starts crying uh, and like, I don't know how to, I, I have started this. I don't know how to turn it off. Uh, I have obviously miscalculated and made a mistake. She lived on a floor of nursing majors and, uh, she was just convinced that they were all going to uh, laugh her out, uh, of, of the floor. And, um, and so I finally uh, asked her to pray about it. And she said, fine, I'll pray about it, which was her way of saying, "I'm th- let's drop the conversation. I'm not going to bring it back up. <laughs> And I made the mistake a couple of weeks later of saying, so did you pray about it? And she said, no. (laughs) Finally, and we're Protestant at this time. Uh, Finally, she did pray about it. We went to, we drove two hours uh, to go to um, uh, an informational session. And from that point on to this day, she was hooked. She saw the science behind it and she was uh, just 100% gung-ho. And the funniest thing, she kind of gloats about this today, that the people who were on her floor that got married at the same time and were on the pill, two of them got pregnant accidentally before we did on purpose. We're like, yes, ha ha. Uh, <laughs> we, compassionately. We laughed at them compassionately. Right. Uh, and so, you know, there is this sense of a lot of, a lot of people don't recognize even within natural family planning, they maybe they still think of it as cycle beads or the rhythm method or some uh, maybe old wives tale. They don't recognize the amount of scientific discovery that's gone into that. And of course, that's something that will be talked about at the conference. Now, Sheila, you've shared yours and I've shared mine, but you now can share yours by going to the Celebrate HV50 website, CelebrateHV50.com and click my humane vitae story, uh, do a little YouTube video. You've got, you've got a nice camera on the back of your phone, right? Take it, make sure it's in portrait in, in a landscape mode so that it fits in YouTube correctly and submit it. And, uh, what will be done with those, those stories, Sheila?
1: Well, they're, they're on YouTube for all to see it. The, the best, the best, um, way to get the word out about that is through people's own lived experiences and so the main thing is to get them out over the internet for people to as they're surfing around to just start hearing other people's journeys and stories but we're also creating a hb hero uh film that will come out um probably at the time of the canonization is our, our timing we're looking for and we'll be integrating um people's HB hero stories, which is another project, but for the eight, but for their own personal stories, they're, they're on our website. Um, we'll actually be collecting them. If people come to the conference and come by our exhibit booth there and they can tell their story there, but I think people prefer to do it in their own home. So, so just consider that when you share your story, you're sharing it with the world in a way that maybe for, is actually a little more uncomfortable than, than, being asked to share it with your family or your friends. You know, you can do this a little bit, not anonymously because your face is up there. Right. But it's a, it's somehow easier to do it that way, I think, sometimes than one on one.
0: Yeah. We're talking today with Sheila St. John, Executive Director of CANFP behind the California, uh, the the national conference held in California, celebrate HV50.com. Uh, you've got that. Uh, that H.V. Hero, the Humani Vitae Hero as well, and you said you're putting together a, a movie with that. But let's say that I've shared my story, but there's someone that really impacted me with this, this truth, uh, someone who first brought it up to me or someone who has lived it heroically or something along those lines. Uh, you have a way for them to not only uh, share their story but s- nominate uh, a Humanae Vitae Hero Uh, what's the process of that and what will be done with that nomination?
1: Yeah, these two projects overlap quite a bit. And so um, they get a little confused. I even um, brought it up in one in answer to your other. So because there's so much overlap because the people that influence us are such a part of our story Mm -hmm. in so many ways. But we are asking people to kind of in that to shine the light on this person. You can do that by sharing how they influenced you. But that one, you don't have to. You don't have to have your your face on the video. You simply submit um, why you think this person um, has influenced, and it may be a personal relationship. It may even be a mother or grandmother or spouse. It may be your wife saying he was courageous enough to introduce this this to me um, it, when we were just getting married. Or it may be Pope Paul VI himself or Mother Teresa in in their lives and the way they've lived them. It may be a physician that helped you overcome your infertility because they developed those skills because they did not follow the path of in vitro and contraception and became very skilled in restoring fertility. So all you gotta do is go on the site and um, write a paragraph and submit it about this person even better if you have if you can find a picture of them or something so people can put a face for that. And we post it usually just within within a day or two, then that's up for other people to read. So to honor that person, but also again to introduce other people to it. Maybe if they see this physician or this clergy impacted this person in this way, I can do I can be courageous in my life in that way too. Yeah.
0: We're talking with Sheila St. John. Uh, There's lots that you can do and lots that you should do this week. First of all, go to the celebratehv50.com website. You've got some homework there. First is look over the conference because I think you're going to want to come. Not too late to register, so do that. Second thing is you want to tell your Humane Vitae story, put it on a little video, submit it to the website. And then as a part of that process also, who is the person who influenced you? Uh, Go to the website, and nominate your Humanae Vitae Hero, Uh, last thing on the website, make sure that you download the prayer written by Archbishop Salvatore Cordelioni and uh, pray that weekly, daily, in these coming uh, coming days. And last of all, if you've not yet done it, go to the Vatican website. It's not very long. It's actually uh, really quite short. Go to the Vatican website, click in Humanae Vitae, H-U-M-A-N-A-E, V-I-T-A-E, and take a little bit of time to yourself and read over that prayerfully, quietly, and see what the fuss is all about. We're coming up with the 50th anniversary of it. This was written as a response to uh, the release of the pill. It was... Not new information, this was a rehashing and a retelling and a recontextualization of what the church has always and everywhere taught about the nature of marriage and its relationship to children. So please, go take a look at that and come to California. I'll see you there. There's more to this conversation available to those who support the show through Patreon. Go to outside the walls.com, click that Patreon link, support the show. For as little as $5 a month, you get all kinds of extra access, including extra segments with all kinds of goodies. Join us over on social media, Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle is at OutsideTheWalls. Tell me about your humana vitae story. There's more to come right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and today we are talking about the 50th anniversary of Humana Vitae, uh, which is coming up uh, on the 25th of this month. And this, uh, this encyclical was written in 1968 by Pope Paul VI in response to the release and the introduction to the world of the hormonal contraceptive pill. Uh, This is not the first time the Church has spoken about contraceptives. In fact, uh, all the way back in 1930, there's an encyclical called Casti Canubi, which was a response to the Anglican Church, which was uh, for the first time at the 7th Lambeth Conference, said that contraceptives would be allowed for married couples under specific circumstances. And the Catholic Church responded and said that uh, we cannot do this because contraceptives change the fundamental meaning of marriage, uh, both Humanae Vitae and Casti Canubi are well worth your time. I encourage you to take a look at them. Uh, for me, this was an eye opener because, uh, I had never heard anything different. Uh, I had just assumed as, as had my wife, that contraceptives were th- what you do. Uh, we grew up in the Protestant church and we'd never even considered something different until it was presented to us. And, uh, it was it was a, a greater shock to me to realize that my tradition, uh, the, the denomination that I came out of, the founder of that denomination had spoken very clearly against contraceptives. In fact, it's a, it's a tr- tradition throughout the church. From the first 1900 years of Christianity, the church had unanimously spoken against this and in less than a century, just really quickly in less than a century it became the norm. And so now the Catholic Church looks as though we are on the outside, we're the, the, the weird backward people, and yet we're the ones who are continuing to hold with the historic position of the church. Uh, and so for me, that gave me great pause to realize that, that this was a, a really recent thing that other denominations, other Christian groups, uh, were approving of it. Uh, so that made me go and do quite a bit more research and, and realized uh, the truth here that's presented in this beautiful document, Humana Vitae. We talked today with Sheila St. John. She's the executive director of the California Association of Natural Family Planning, and they're putting on a party for us to help us celebrate this 50th anniversary. Uh, There's a conference going on at the end of this month out in California, and there is still time for you to sign up. Maybe talk to your priest and see if you're sending a representative. And if not, volunteer to be that representative to go out and hear this good news and to help bring it back to your parish. If you missed any part of the conversation or you want to share this episode with your friends on social media, have no fear. It's all archived over at OutsideTheWalls.com. Go over and see all of our archives there, including this episode. And we have, as always, more to this conversation available to those who support the show through Patreon for as little as $5 a month. That's that's one cup of coffee, and where you can only enjoy that for maybe 10 minutes You get four extra segments, four or five, depending on how many episodes we have in a given month, for that same price. That's right. $5 a month gives you all the extra segments from all the episodes within a month, uh, as well as all the ones we've done previously. Go over to OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Patreon link, and help those who are dedicated to keep this show on the air. Uh, You'll be glad you did. I had a hard time this week deciding which scripture passage I wanted to read to you. Uh, we're going to go with the one from Amos, uh, but there was a reading from Hosea that just really is beautiful as well, where God says that he's going to espouse us. And so we have, again, our marriages point to a reality of how God wants to relate to us as his people. And so that's one of the reasons that we are so deliberate with uh, with this beautiful Theology of marriage. But I'm not going to do that one. I'm going to turn uh, instead to Amos, and this comes from the book of Amos, chapter 9. Thus says the Lord, On that day I will raise up the fallen hut of David. I will wall up its breaches, raise up its ruins, and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may conquer what is left of Edom, and all the nations shall bear my name. Say I, the Lord, who will do this? Yes, days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the vintager him who sows the seed. The juice of the grapes shall drip down the mountains, and the hills shall run with it. I will bring about the restoration of my people Israel. They shall rebuild and inhabit their ruined cities, plant vineyards and drink the wine, set out gardens and eat the fruits. I will plant them upon their own ground. Never again shall they be plucked from the land I have given them. Say I, the Lord your God. That reading comes from the book of Amos, and it's written at a time when Israel is in exile. They've been taken away from their home. They've been taken away from everything that they love, and they are serving other people. They are slaves. And here, God is promising restoration. And there may be days that you may feel a little bit like you're out of your own home country. And for a part, that should always be how we feel because we Christians are sojourners. We are looking for a heavenly kingdom even as we walk in this world. So we should always feel a little bit uncomfortable, always feel as though while we are citizens here in our nation, it's not our final home, that we have a citizenship in the kingdom of heaven which should always give us a little bit of tension as we live here, a little bit of longing for something better. And so perhaps you look at the world around you and you are discouraged and you don't know how this will ever be set right. But our God is a God who sets things right. He's the one who rebuilds cities and it's not our job to do it. You notice that he says that he will rebuild it. And The day will come where he will call a specific person to a specific task, but we don't have to worry about that. We simply need to trust in the Lord, to listen for his voice, and to do that which he calls us to do in the time that he calls us to do it. And you can't ask for a better segue than this, because we're going to be reading from the rule of St. Benedict. Whenever you begin any good work, you should first of all make a most pressing appeal to Christ our Lord to bring it to perfection. Perfection that he who has honored us by counting us among his children may never be grieved by our evil deeds. For we must always serve him with the good things he has given us in such a way that he may never, as an angry father disinherits his sons or even like a master who inspires fear, grow impatient with our sins and consign us to everlasting punishment like wicked servants who would not follow him to glory. So, We should at long last rouse ourselves, prompted by the words of Scripture. Now is the time for us to rise from sleep. Our eyes should be open to the God-given light, and we should listen in wonderment to the message of the divine voice, as it daily cries out, Today, if you shall hear his voice, harden not your hearts. And again, if anyone has ears to hear, let him listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And what does the Spirit say? Come, my sons, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Hurry while you have the light of life, so that death's darkness may not overtake you. And the Lord, as he seeks the one who will do his work among the throng of people to whom he makes that appeal, he says again, Which of you wants to live to the full? Who loves long life and the enjoyment of prosperity? And if when you hear this you say, I do, God says to you, If you desire true and everlasting life, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And when you have done these things, my eyes will be upon you and my ears will be attentive to your prayers. And before you call upon my name, I shall say to you, behold, I am here. What could be more delightful, dearest brothers, than the voice of our Lord's invitation to us? In his loving kindness, he reveals to us the way of life. And so, girded with faith and the performance of good works, let us follow in his paths by the guidance of the gospel. Then we shall deserve to see him who has called us into his kingdom. If we wish to attain a dwelling place in his kingdom, we shall not reach it unless we hasten there by our good deeds." Just as there exists an evil fervor, a bitter spirit, which divides us from God and leads us to hell, so there is a good fervor which sets us apart from evil inclinations and leads us toward God and eternal life. Monks should put this fervor into practice with an overflowing love. That is, they should surpass each other in mutual esteem, accept their weaknesses, either of body or of behavior, with the utmost patience and vie with each other in acceding to requests. No one should follow what he considers to be good for himself, but rather what seems to be good for another. They should display brotherly love in a chaste manner. Fear God in a spirit of love. Revere their abbot with a genuine and submissive affection. Let them put Christ before all else, and may he lead us to everlasting life. That reading comes from the rule of St. Benedict right there at the very beginning of it. And it should inform everything else that the monk does. And indeed, it should inform everything that we do, that the first and foremost thing that we do is to seek Christ, to listen for his voice, and to see where it is that he leads us and what tasks it is he has for us. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We've been talking about the Humane Conference. Please make sure to go over hv 50com Sign up for it and come and say hi when you're there. My wife and I will be there as well as a few others from our area. I'd love to see you there. But in the meantime, go over to the Celebrate HV50 website and share your humana vitae story. And then go ahead and make sure you tag us in it over on our social media, facebook.com slash outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. Today's show is brought to you by Paige and Kent Keithley, who first taught us, NFP, and all of our supporters on Patreon. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Patreon link, and join their number. And until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you.